I'm going to wrap up uh, today what I've been talking to you about, about Vision Forward. And this is kind of the first little mini-series of what it is because that's our vision for this year. But the next two weeks, we're going to be ministered on relationship. Pastor Steph will jump in with me some on that. And we're going to really be talking about it's not just me, but it's we. And we, you know, we got to focus on in our marriages. It's not about me. It's about we. We got to focus in friendships and family. It's not about me. It's about we. And as we do that, I believe it's going to bring, uh, I just believe it's going to stir up some amazing things in this house. And I know that you need to be here. Make sure you have family and friends here. Uh, and anyone especially that is lonely or struggling relationships, definitely get them here. I'll be preaching and then we'll break off in to some conversations, Steph, and I will with you and answer some questions. Amen? So vision forward, what is that? That's the word that God has given me and given us, given us house for this year. And what is vision forward 2022? It's making an eternal difference. Everybody say eternal difference. Through our life assignments, say my life assignment, of every God-given opportunity empowered with the Spirit of the Lord or by the Spirit of the Lord. So what is it? Vision Forward 2022 is making an eternal difference together through our life assignments of every God-given opportunity empowered with or by the Holy Spirit. And it's not by my, might, it's not my strength, but it's by my, what? Spirit, says the Lord. And that came to us from Zechariah chapter 6. Now, one of the ways we're doing this, we'll be focusing a lot this year on this one particular passage of Scripture from the Amplified Version, Habakkuk 3.19. And it says this, The Lord God is my strength, my source of courage, my invincible army. He has made my feet steady and sure like hind's feet and makes me walk forward. Everybody say forward. With spiritual confidence on my high places of challenge and responsibility. God is not going to stir your heart. God's not going to convict you or challenging you, challenge you without, e without equipping you. But I think so many times we get caught up in the preparation, and I'm big on preparation, and God's been preparing us. We're now entering into the second year of Bethel 2.0. And what is that? God said, hey, you're coming into the second year of Bethel 2.0. What is that? The, the second 20 years of this ministry. And Pastor Mark came over and he was telling me a little bit of what he told you before worship. And he said, look around at our church. You know, it looks like heaven. And he was talking about how much his kids and others love Bethel. And we have people of all ages and backgrounds here. And, and that's something that we really put our heart toward because we felt at one time we were just getting a little too gray and a little too old around here. And we're like, man, we, God, just help us. We do not want to create a church or, or a community where our own kids and grandkids don't feel welcome or want to be. Right? Because it's not about us. It's who? It's about others. And that's something we focused on about five years ago really heavily, and it's starting to come to pass again, and I'm so thankful for it. But I want you to realize when God challenges you to walk forward, he's going to equip you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to empower you. I'm telling you, this is a year to take the limit off your expectations. The only thing holding us back most times is our own thinking, our own mind. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those 
whose hearts are loyal to him. What's that mean? When you're loyal to him, you're going to obey him. When you're loyal to him, you're going to serve him. You know, so many times I know growing up, and I'm proud of my holiness church I was raised in, the Nazarene church, great people, great ministry, great movement. But you know what? Sometimes we focus so much on rules and regulations and, you know, hair and skirts and makeup. So many things are focused on in the body of Christ, and now it's even other stuff that's beyond that, that, that it takes the focus off what true submission is. You know, Prophet Trout said it a, a year or two ago when he was here, which is mine says pretty much favorite teacher, and, and one of the things he said is, you realize, I don't even think he said it to you, he said it back in the back, we were talking about something. He said, most people don't realize they think they're in submission because they seem to obey, they obey, they serve, they do, but you really are not in submission until you disagree with your leadership and you submit anyway. Anybody can submit when you agree, right? But when you don't agree and you submit anyway. And that's the same way it is in your marriage, right? When you don't agree, sometimes you just got to submit and eat it, son. That's just the way it goes, boy. <laughs> or you be somewhere else. So anyway, so... We have these opportunities, and God uh, has given us these opportunities, just like the Bengals, for instance. Sean, you knew I was going to work this in, right? They're no longer the Bungles, the Cincinnati Bungles. They're the Cincinnati Bengals. So today at 3 o'clock, I'm believing for a win. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Anyway, had to work that in. That's right. <laughs> Is Dwight a Cowboys guy, too? That's right. Oh, Lord. All you Cowboys fans, stand up. Ah, let's pray for him right now. It's been a difficult, a difficult time, you know, with the big loss. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, you don't get to do this this first time in 33 years, 31 years. We won a playoff game, so I'm going to ride this horse. Believe me, I'm going to ride this horse. I may have to drag it for a while, but I'm going to ride it. Amen. It leads me into my next point, what could be. <laughs> First Corinthians says this, 2.9 says, Eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So what I want you to do this year, stop just, you know, having your normal expectancy, and you know, I want a little of this, a little increase of that, but I want you to take the limits off to see yourselves the way you could be. Because that's not even close to the way God sees you anyway. He sees you so much more intelligent and blessed and favored and anointed than you would ever see. That's why he sticks with you when no one else does. He sticks with you closer than a brother, right? He's going to be with you in the race, before the race, in the race, during it and after. God said, I'll never leave you nor I'll never forsake you. And when we begin to realize that, we will begin to get a vision for what could be. But whenever we accept God's challenge, then we got to commit. We got to sacrifice for whatever that is that he's put on our heart. So 2022, in 2022, God is going to increase both your ability, which is the root word of anointing, able. He's going to increase both your abilities, your anointing, right? And he's going to increase your seeing. You're going to see clear this year. There's going to be things about your life. There's going to be things about family and ministry, things about career, 
things about outreach, all those things, you're going to start seeing things that's going to blow you away. And don't just put it off to the side. Write it down. Pray over it. Find someone else to agree with you on it because this is not about an individual vision. It's not about an individual deal with me or you or anyone else going forward in 2022 with vision, right? It's about together we're going forward. Together we're going forward. Together with God and with one another, we are going to have the greatest impact we've ever had in this region in 2022. I'm just telling you that right now. Amen? So where's that come from? So we, he's going to increase our ability and to see and to accomplish our God-given life assignment. Every one of us are called. You've heard me preach it ever since you've been here. Every one of us have assignments on our life. We don't just have one assignment. We have multiple, multiple assignments on our lives. And it's up to you and I to stay in tune. It's up to you and I to stay focused on what God desires for us to see, right? What God desires for you and I to see. So as we move into this, it's time, it's like a world-class sprinter, right? I've been talking to you for a couple of weeks, like a world-class sprinter that, that's in the Olympics that's running a race, maybe a relay race or whatever. And as they're running this race, the first thing they got to do is leave the blocks. <laughs> they got to get up off the starting blocks and take off for God. 2 Corinthians 8 tells us this, verses 10 through 11, says the best thing you can do, this is the Message Bible translation, the best thing you can do right now is to finish what you started last year and not let those good intentions grow stale. Your heart's been in the right place all along. You've got what it takes to finish it up. Go and do it. This year, 2022, is a year to finish some things up and to move forward. I'm telling you, this is your year. Everybody say activation. You will not be comfortable sitting on the sidelines this year. You will not be comfortable hiding out this year. You will be challenged on every and every avenue. You're going to be challenged at work, at home, family, ministry. God is going to challenge you not to provoke you to anger, because he even said that's, not, that's, that's bad when a father provokes his child to anger, right? It's not about that. But provoking you to, to feel the challenge, to see what you haven't seen before, to walk in the abilities and anointing that you've never walked in before. Say, new level this year for me. Say it, new levels for me. New levels. Say, new levels, plural. New levels, new levels. Say this, greater impact. Greater influence. Greater anointing. Greater provision. Greater harvest. Come on, give God a shout for that. Amen. So it's, it's time for you and I to run hard after the God-given a, a vision for the assignments on our lives this year. God has secured the victory of your life assignment. He's already fitted out. He's framed it. He's finished it. I taught you that on Hebrews 11.3. He's already got the course set up for you. And all he's asking is for you to get out of the starting blocks, to get out of the gate. What is that? That's what vision forward is. So many times we'll be getting a vision from God and we'll be thinking about it. I was looking at some notes from 2006, a message I spoke, and we were talking about relaunching the daycare uh, and a bunch of stuff we were talking about doing. A lot of it we're still doing today. And I just thought, man, it's so amazing when God gives you vision and you act on it. And there's other things we didn't do well that I feel we missed our opportunity for that season that we didn't operate and do and release. And now... I believe in 2022, it's like God saying, that's been stale long enough. I'm going to freshen it up and let you run with it again. I believe one of those things is what I talked about last week 
And I don't know exactly when this happened, but where God showed me over 10 years ago, house fires in our city. And in, the, in, in some of the really struggling neighborhoods, God showed me housetops with fire. And later the interpretation was to me, it was the fire of the Holy Ghost, the tongues of fire, right? Coming out of houses. But the reason it was coming out of the houses is because we focused on that neighborhood and, and we released men and women of God in there that can operate in the gifts of the Spirit. You don't have to be up here preaching from the pulpit. You can still lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You can still raise the dead, right? You can still save the lost, right? You're, you're anointed to, to do all the gospel for God. And I believe there's, we're gonna, God's going to release something somewhere around us. And we're going to start invading a neighborhood. And we're going to start seeing house fires break out. Children's being saved and baptized, teenagers, adults, moms, grandmas, grandpas, to see people delivered. And then I also believe God's going to open opportunity for business and entrepreneurs that we're connected with and also in this house that we're going to find ways entrepreneurially to affect and bring change to that neighborhood so that we're not just giving them a hand, but we're giving a hand up, not only for that generation, for the generation to come. Does anybody believe that with me this morning? Paul talks about your appointed course. And, you know, every one of us, when we're running the race for our life assignment, God has already appointed a course for you. God has already laid out something for you. He, he, he anointed you. He created you for such a time as this. God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make mistakes. So if he made you and you know he did, then you're perfect in the eyes of God. He, he has anointed you and equipped you for what, where you're at and where you're going. Hebrews, I won't read all of it, uh, chapter 4, uh, Hebrews 12, 1. I'll read this one verse out of the Amplified. Paul is talking about running the race, right, and running and winning the prize. Then, it says, then he says this, Let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence. See, that's the key, steady and active. Steady and active persistence, the appointed course of the race that is set before you. Every one of you are here for a reason. Every one of you are here on purpose, intentionally by God. You could have been born in any other time or dispensation, but he chose this time. And therefore, that means he has an appointment on your life. And you're appointed, just like, uh, what was his name? Simon, that was appointed to go to, to uh, Paul while he was still Saul. Remember, whenever he had a vision of Jesus, and was knocked off his donkey, and he was blind. He had scales over his eyes. And when the Holy Spirit came to Saul, an angel came to um, to Simon said, hey, you need to go up here and pray for Paul, Saul and lay hands on him. He's like, do you realize this? I think it's Acts 8, chapter 8, I believe it is, do you, or 9, Acts chapter 9. He said, do you realize that this is the guy that stones Christians and puts their wives in prison and their kids in prison and servitude? He hates Christians. But if that's my appointment, that's my assignment, I'll go do it. And he went and he laid hands on Saul at that time, and God gave him his name, Paul, and the scales dropped from his eyes, and he was immediately, I believe at that point, he was probably baptized in the Holy Spirit. He'd already gotten saved because he believed in Jesus after that, right? But all of a sudden, look what changed, what he sees. God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make stale. I'm going to blind everything from your life to this point, and you're going to be like a dead person lying in a tomb, and then I'm going to resurrect you through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And what happened was when Simon laid hands on him, all of a sudden he began to see. Now this time when he opened his eyes, he didn't see prejudice and hatred for people that didn't look like him and people didn't believe like him and didn't, people didn't have his intellect or influence. He saw everyone 
and everything totally different. Now, I want you to realize that this is your year to be activated, and if you will submit to the Lord, even if you don't like what he tells you to do, even if you'll submit to him, and what will happen, I'm telling you, he's going to stir up abilities in you to do things because you'll see things you've never seen before. And you'll be reaching people like you've never reached before. You think about it, Paul was the most educated of all the disciples as far as uh, religion, the Bible, ministry, all that. He was trained by Gamaliel, the, Gamaliel one of the, the greatest uh, rabbi and teacher of their time. His father was a high-level politician in Ephesus, a port city, kind of like would be our San Francisco. Uh, the, he was both a Roman citizen but also a citizen of Jewish faith and, and, and had the same anointing as to become a rabbi. So he was anointed both by God but also by the Romans. He was recognized and honored by them because they had the money and the influence to bring him into citizenship. So he had citizenship with the world but also citizenship in the kingdom of God. And what happened was, God is interesting. He took an unlearned fisherman named Peter, right? Simon Peter, he named Peter. And what did he do? He took Peter and he, play, he said, you're going to minister to the most educated rabbis and Jewish believers their whole life for generations. It's all they've studied is my coming and they don't recognize it. I'm going to put you, you fishermen, you unlearned, unreligious fishermen to marry them. And I'm going to take this high-level Roman aristocrat, highly educated, theological dude, and I'm going to have him minister to the unlearned people. I didn't think about that. Isn't that crazy? I mean, you know, like he said, he just wants to show us that it's not us. It's not about our ability. It's not about our strength. It's not about, a, no, it's about our submission to him and running with the vision he gives us. Vision forward. No more vision parked, right? It's vision forward. And what he's talking about here is God has appointed each one of you to, race, to a race and he's given us lines or a lane like a great runner would run in their lanes in the Olympics. You know, each have their lane. He's, he's drawn out a lane for you. He already has an lane a lane assignment for you. He has starting blocks for you to put your feet in. God has already prepared the way. He's prepared the assignment, and now it's up to you to allow him to activate that assignment in you and through you. So what happens is if a runner crosses those lines, they get disqualified. But thank God for grace. There, there are times we all cross lines, right? And whenever we cross those lines, God's grace is sufficient to bring us back. If we will submit to him, repent, and give it back, he'll bring us right back in to his plan. 1 Corinthians tells us this, 12, 18 says, But now, everybody say now, but now God has set who the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And Paul is referring to the church like a body. Some are the hands, the eyes, the feet, and so on, but they're still all the body. I mean, if I walked in this room carrying my head in my hand and talking from my head, that'd freak everybody out, wouldn't it? Freak me out, I know that much. <laughs> freak everybody out. Why? Because, you know, the head is for talking. The eyes are for seeing. The ears are for hearing. The feet are the gospel, the walking, right? So the body, every member, one is not more important than the other member. It's all still the same body. And I want you to realize that no matter what God challenges you to be activated in your life, you will, you will be able to live up to the task. Now, that doesn't mean you won't have some problems along the way. That doesn't mean you won't have some failures, but it, it, it'll only be a failure if you accept it as a failure. 
You see, we go through spiritual seasons in our life, and we do the same with vision. So you go through spiritual seasons where you're disoriented. And when you're disoriented, what does that mean? That means that, man, you don't see things clearly. You don't hear things clearly. You, you don't feel God like you used to feel him. Or you, don't, you don't feel God in your, in your life, and you're disoriented. Maybe you don't feel people that love you really love you. You're blinded. You can't even see it. You're walking in your own disorientation like the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness just wandering around with no hope and no way out other than trusting God. And even then, many of them didn't make it because they didn't have the faith of Moses and, and, and Joshua and Caleb. So what I want to challenge you with is that you may be in that time of disorientation in your life. Disorientation would be what 2020 and part of 2021 was. Disorientation, what happens? We isolate ourselves. We're put off to the back somewhere. All we can hear is our own selves, which scares us many times if all we can hear is ourselves, right? We don't feel loved. We don't feel accepted. So you're going to go through times now. Seasons, it could be a night, it could be a week, it could be a year. Seasons are different. But I'm telling you, the whole nation and the world has been going through about 18 months, really over two years, of disorientation. But whenever we're in disorientation, what is amazing, God brings you back into what? Reorientation. And when you submit and give it to God, when you put him first in your life, when you don't even know or trust or understand, but you just say, I'm going to do it. Okay, Lord, here I am. Use me. All of a sudden, you'll begin to see what you weren't seeing. You begin to hear what you weren't hearing. You'll have abilities in, in you and on you that you never, never realized you had. It was always there. You just never saw it and never believed it. And what happens is whenever you're going through that time, that's a time where you're starting to get reoriented back into the presence of God. You're starting to get reoriented back in your relationship at a higher level with him. You're starting to get reoriented in how to treat one another and love people that maybe they're not very lovely to you. To understand people that don't understand you and to begin to trust God so you can trust people because whenever you're going to be reoriented into something, that means you're coming out of one thing into another. And then what happens? You step into orientation, right? When you go to college or you go to your, your job and the HR calls you, you're going to go through what? Oh, orientation. What does that mean? Orientation means you're going to come into a place and you're going to learn their culture. You're going to learn their ways. You're going to learn what you can do, what you can't do, and what you should do. You're being, you're being oriented in. So what happens is we go through these seasons, these spiritual seasons in our life. All of us, none of us are above it. We all do. We go through where, man, we, we're, we're totally oriented. We're excited. God's doing amazing things. You wake up, this happens, that happens. You go over here, that happens. And before long, you're like, wait a minute, God, I, I thought you anointed me to do this. Well, I thought you called me to this career. Uh, God, I thought you put our family together. You know, God, I, I thought you told me to make that investment or start that business. God, I thought, and all of a sudden we get what? disoriented, dislocated, and we start isolating. But be a good cheer. When you start hearing and submitting to God, you'll feel this reorientation, but you'll be like Saul whenever he became Paul. You won't see it the way you did before you were disoriented. You won't hear it the way you did. You won't believe it. You see, the, the people who teach and preach the greatest messages on grace are the ones that need the most grace. 
<clears throat> I know some people that, that have been fallen men and women of the gospel. I mean, I know some stuff. If you, you, I'd never listen to them again. But, but see, what you don't understand is that's why they operate in such a high level of faith and grace because when they got reoriented with God, they saw things and they felt things and they heard things that they could never do when they were in their current situation. It's like Brandon and others and Dr. Hager and all these that's been dealing with different addictions in their lives and consequences from those addictions, losing families, losing careers, losing years of your life, all those things, losing influence. And then when you get reoriented, even though you have great favor on your life, you see and hear differently, don't you? You can love people easier, especially people that have been, are going through what you've went through because through is important. Especially you're, you're drawn to disoriented people because you were one of them. Hmm? And then what happens? Then you come back into orientation. So every one of us are going through these spiritual flows in our life. You're not above it. Look, look at, uh, oh, who was it? Um, Elijah. Here he is. You know, he, he ends the, prophesies the drought three and a half years, right? Then he goes up and he, and he prophesies the, the rain coming and he kills all of Ahab and them's false priests, right, on the throne and calls the fire with water on, the, on it and he kills all that and then he runs down the race and, and the cloud the size of hand is coming and the rain comes and it's a gully washer, hadn't rained in three and a half years, it's pouring the rain, Ahab's running back to Jezebel to get a plan to kill him and he runs and runs and hides under a juniper tree and says, God, I need to die. Just kill me now. That woman's going to kill me. Just kill me now. I, 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 and you know what happened was he, has the high, he was at the height of orientation in God. I mean, faith to go over and say, pour some more, pour water on my sacrifice while these devils are over here cutting their arms, trying to bring God down to light their sacrifice. He said, pour water. Go get some more. Pour some more. And all of a sudden when he prayed, fire hit that and everybody knew, don't mess with this guy. He's a man of God. But the rain still hadn't come and he still had to believe, right? So the, the fire, hunt, most people are like, that's my ministry. I'm gonna write a book, do my, my, my social media. I'm rich, famous forever, right? But, but Elijah's like, okay, I'm gonna hang out. We still need to see the rain. Everybody else had left. They were like, oh, this, this is great. So uh, first of all, he killed all those false prophets and then, then everybody left. So, so he sent there and he sends his servant out three different times. Seven times, actually, because you got to go through six. That's the number of man. And on the seventh time, the servant finally like, wait, maybe it is. Why does this prophet keep sending me out there? And he sees this little speck. You know who that servant was, right? Elisha, not Elijah. Elijah, Elisha was under. Well, that wasn't Elisha. That was another servant. I'm sorry. That's before. So anyway, he goes out and he sees it. And he says, here comes, a, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. He said, that's the answer. Let's go. We better get off this mountain. And the guy's probably thinking, a little tiny cloud way out there. And before they could get off that mountain, just a, a downpour comes for days, right? So he went from this height of orientation. He went from the height of being the man. He went from the height of knowing God better than he knew himself. And now, because he's tired, he's worn out, Jezebel had no more power than she had before. My goodness, he just killed all of her false prophets and priests, cut their heads off, did all that stuff. He just faced down her husband, the king Ahab, and laughed at him. And he outran their horses and was faster than them coming off the mountain after he gave them a head start. But somewhere on that way when he got away from his orientation. You know, some of you have had so many great miracles in your life. And I know a lot of you, and I could start talking about 
oh, I remember when God did that for you, Michael. I remember when God did that for you, Sean and Becky. I remember when God did that for you all, Terry. I, I remember when God did that for you, Jay and Marshall. I, I remember when God did that for you guys. I remember, and, and, and sometimes that's what I'll do when somebody comes to me really discouraged. I'll, I'll just kind of start reminding them, well, what about this? I don't know if God can do it. He did that? Well, yeah. What are you doing? You're, you're taking them back to where they were once oriented. And what happens is when you feel yourself get away from the orientation of God, just stop. But don't say, well, I'm just going to kill myself, or God, why don't you kill me? I mean, he actually had a spirit of suicide. Elijah had a spirit, because that's a familiar spirit. And that spirit of suicide was on Elijah right there. He, you know, he was ready to take his own life, and God had to show up and say, stop it. So now he said, okay, here's what I want you to do. Go over here. There's this guy plowing oxen over here named Elisha. He's your, he's, because he's like, who's going to take my place? I'm tired. Who's going to, God, okay, I'll get somebody to take your place. Go over here and get Elisha. He'll take your place. In the meantime, you got to train him for me. And so Elisha did that. And Elijah did that. He went, remember, he threw the, his, his, his cloak, his anointing over him, and, and, and Elisha followed him and killed the oxen and blah, 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 and became his servant, right? And then you remember whenever Josh, finally it came and it was time that Elijah was getting ready to go to heaven. He wanted to go to heaven so bad. He said, man, I'm tired of this. I'm ready. I'm out of here. And he said, okay, I'm going to go do something. And Elijah said, no, you can't do that without me. Oh, no, it's a, I'm just going over here. And each city he went to represented like a cutting away of covenant and, and represented like the anointing of God, Bethel, and different things. And he said, finally, Elijah would not leave him. Elisha would not leave Elijah. And Elijah's getting ready to cross the Jordan. And, and he said to him, what do you want? And he said, I want to do a double portion of your anointing. And it ended up proving out there was, there's 26 documented miracles that, that Elijah did. And uh, Elisha ended up documenting 52 miracles in his life. So he said, if you see me when I'm taken up by God, he'll, he'll grant you that request. And he took his mantle, boom, hit the Jordan, and it opens up. And all the young prophets in the prophet school are watching him walk across the water. I don't know how long they were there, but all of a sudden, this chariot of fire. Isn't it interesting? It's like they saw this fire coming like a chariot, and it swooped up Elijah. It took him to heaven. He didn't even have to die. It took him to heaven. And that time, Elijah, he didn't know, see. He could have sat over there and prayed and fasted, Tony, forever, and sowed some seed and believed all he could believe. But until he took the mantle with his own hands and activated, got out of the starting blocks, with all those people seeing if he is anointed like Elijah, Elijah or not. And he took Elisha's mantle and he hit the bank and the Jordan River opened up. When that happened, he's like, I'm oriented now, boy. I'm, I'm anointed now. I mean, remember the next chapter, those kids are laughing at him because he's bald and he called animals to come down and eat them. I mean, young kids to them could be 25, 28 years old because they're still a kid to 30 during that time. So think about that. And then he had his times where he was down and out, right? You look at every great man and woman of God in the Bible, every one of them went through their ups and downs. See, the key is you're learning. You learn more in your times of disorientation than you do your orientation. That's when you walk getting character. Character has with bending and shaping and pounding and the character or the character of a matter or something. And that's when you're building character when it's not going your way. 
You know, I tell our staff sometimes, and, you know, I don't do it so much more. Staff that leads the staff now, I don't lead the staff like I used to, right? She's the main leader of the staff. And, and, but one of the things I always taught the staff was this, is, you know, someone got upset they weren't on this team or they didn't get to be in this meeting. I said, you know what? That was the most important meeting that you've ever had in ministry. What do you mean? They didn't invite me. Good. Now you're going to get character. Maybe they missed it, or maybe God wanted it, but either way, you're going to get character from this. And if you accept that as the greatest meeting that you've ever missed, then you'll become greater than you were, than, than you would have been in the meeting. So when you're disoriented, it's when, when the character's built. But what's amazing is the way God does and the way God sees things, that whenever you went through orientation, it's great. Disorientation, this stinks, this is awful. Reoriented, it's about time, God. And you step back into orientation again, you're not who you used to be. You know more than you used to know. You're more anointed, you know, because what is faith? It's knowing and trusting God. And as I know and trust God, and I know not just only God, but I know his ways. Remember I tell you all the time, Prophet Trout said it first, and I keep saying it all the time, the children of Israel knew God, but Moses knew God's ways. So when you see differently, that means you see different ways to do, to hear, to feel. You'll see me coming in here sometime, and I'll pull this person off. You need to do this, 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 and, and they've been here for years. But you see, I see the ways God moves, and I can tell if that's going to make the Holy Spirit uncomfortable. Like this sound system, wasn't that one of the best mixes you've heard in this house ever? What is it? They can express themselves without going off like my, my daughter had to go have throat surgery. She had nodules from cheering and stuff, but also from singing. And she was up here singing today. They have in-ears, so you don't have to yell and scream. You can hear yourself. You see, but, but you may not understand that because you don't know the ways of God like I do. And there's things you know about God in certain ways that I don't know that I got to learn from you. But when it comes to this house of anointing, I put my ways up against anybody's ways. As long as God's got me set in this position. So what I want you to realize is you learn the ways of God. And then what happens? It builds your faith. But be a good courage. You know, we're, we're, we're having the best year we had at this church in over 10 years, getting back almost to the, the, the finances and things that had been years ago before the economy crashed, all this great stuff. We've grown 30% income up 2019, and then 2020 hits. We're rocking, right? It's been like half of 2018 and all of 2019 was amazing. And we're going into the next, and all of a sudden, the world shut down. We can't have church for four months. It's uh, you, you danged if you do, danged if you don't have church. You got people leaving because you don't have church. You got people leaving because you do have church, you know, because people are goofy. You just know that, right? Not you, but all those other people, they're all goofy. So, so people are just goofy. Not really goofy. You know what goofy is? You ever see the goofy cartoons? What is he? Uh, goofy, it's it just... It's a, it means he's not very, uh, not smart, what do I want to say, uh, not very inclined to have knowledge. <laughs> There's not much up there for goofy. Now, that doesn't mean people that disagree, that doesn't mean people that disagree with you are goofy and they're not smart. It just means that you know a little something about a way God moves that they don't. And there's times I'm goofy. You'll talk to me about something. You know what, I'm not going to sit here and get mad. I'm going to learn. I want to grow. Because if you're not growing, you're. So how do I get on Goofy? I need to wrap this up. 2020. 2020. So anyway, yeah, the church, we were in this 
huge disorientation and God was reorienting us and it didn't feel good. We, we thought, we don't know if the church going to make it in 2017 the way events occurred. Nothing to do with staff and I, but just the way it was occurring. And we're like, oh my goodness, God, what, is this it? What, you know? And then all of a sudden, God brings relationships with Pastor Bill, Pastor Isaac, and all of us joined in together. And then we all got what? We started the reorienting, reorientation process. It really started in November of 2017. That's when it really started. Right? 17 or 18. One of those years. No. Yeah, it's 20, November of 2018, right? I think it's November 2018. So we started, the year's over half gone, and here we are. We'd had the worst summer of our month. We had less people attending this church than we did when we were two years old, well, than when we were four years old. So you know what the income and everything else was. Man, to me, that don't feel like reorientation. But there's sometimes people have to leave your, your life that you don't want them to leave, but they need to leave. Woo. Sometimes you're crying over someone that's been moved out of your life when really you should be celebrating because God had a purpose for that. Why is that? So reorientation doesn't feel good. It's painful. It hurts. Oh, like exercise? Like eating disciplines? Being on time for work, putting in more than you're supposed to. Oh, okay. Oh, kind of like that. And then we finish 18, we come into 19. Like I said, it's the greatest year we'd had in 10 years or longer than 10 years. And then COVID hits. So, so one of the reasons we've grown actually through COVID, the church has financially, we paid right at $1.9 million debt off the, the building. Events have happened, things have happened, you know, and God is moving. And why is that? Not just financially, but he's moving in relationships, the diversity of the church as far as age and all that stuff. It's just so cool to see that we have more unity in this house than we've ever had, even from the time we started. More unity on staff, more unity in leadership. That doesn't mean there isn't edges and people miss it and all that. I mean, I know you never miss it. Maybe a staff person missed it once or something. But, but, but we thought, man, this is it. And then 2020 hits. I, I told, I cursed when I walked out the door when they said we couldn't have church service. I said, it'd be a cold day in H-E double hockey sticks for I don't have church Sunday. And I walked out and the staff looked at me like, what's wrong with pastor? You going crazy? <laughs> By the time I got to my truck, I had to repent. And I had to repent. Okay, Lord, I'm sorry. And we didn't have church, not only for one Sunday, but for three or four months. But I had to do based on what God told me to do as a leader. I can't go by what other people do. But if we hadn't already been reoriented and just stepped into orientation, I don't even know if Bethel would be here if we were in the state we were at the beginning of uh, 2018 or 2017. I don't know if we'd be here. But God. And then as we're getting through it, we're going, wow. I mean, we're holding together. People are still giving even though they're not in church. And, you know, new people are coming to church. And, you know, and there's still some of our folks are still at home, but they're giving and, and there's a lot of new people filling the seats. I mean, it's crazy to watch what God's done throughout 2021 and uh, 2020 and even 2021, right? It's been crazy. And then here we are coming into 2022. We got more momentum than we did going into 2019 or 2020. Why? Why is that? Because when you learn some things, you learn to trust God. 
Learn to say, well, God, if you did it once, you can do it again. Well, God, you know, you didn't, you didn't put Bethel back on track for this next generation just to let us die. So we're just going to trust you. We're just going to trust you. And that's when we got the faith, Brandon, to, to have our first services. We've been dreaming about it. People's been here for 20 years or longer, like 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 uh, the Sweats and Garrisons and so many of y'all that's been here forever. You know I've dreamed of this for years to be at Mark. You know we dream, man, if we could just take a Sunday and just sow it into the community. But, you know, for us, that's, you know, that's a lot. And where we were financially and stuff. But we got so oriented, even during COVID, we took two Sundays and ministered to our community. And things didn't go down, they went up. Everybody say up. See, God's not tearing you down. He's allowing disorientation, spiritual and physical and relationships and uncomfortable things in your life. He allows it. Why? Because you're getting built, your character is getting built to be activated at another level when you're reoriented. So that's what 2022 is about. We've been coming through all that corporately. Some of you are, ahead, are on a little ahead or a little behind, but now we're coming into the stage. I'm just telling you, you're going to see things, hear things, sow things, do things, serving things you never dreamt you would before. God's going to use you like you never imagined before. I mean, I look at Terry and O, Terry and Jamie, and, you know, I've been, Terry was here way before you all were ever married or together, and I watched him go through some of his young adult life, his stuff, and... <clears throat> He's a lot like me. It's a miracle you're alive, isn't it? Really, seriously. But God, but even in his most broken time and ready to give up, remember, even whenever he, he said, well, I'm quitting my job, leaving a high-paying job, took half the salary to drive a truck somewhere just to be with his family. And then his, his back went out again and was all messed up. And he went to Bible school back here for two years. You guys just went to that little class we had. God started building faith, building faith. He was getting reoriented. See, it didn't seem like a promotion when you gave up over half your income, about 60% of it, did it? It didn't feel like it for sure. But what God was doing was taking his focus off what he felt his strength was and placing it back on God. And then he's doing pretty good, doing pretty good. And guess what? Man, his back hit again, and he was ready to quit church. When you like you said Somebody don't call me or do something, I, I, I just can't make it. He's not a complainer. He's low maintenance. You know, I don't have to go, oh, Terry, how you feel today? I wouldn't anyway, but I mean, I don't have to. <laughs> he knows that. But, but, but the thing is, Michael Avery was led by the Spirit to call him that day, wasn't he? Y'all have to talk about that sometime. And, and when he called him and you all got together for lunch or something, I think, didn't you? It changed everything for Terry. Michael was just going by an impulse. He's busy. I, I got clients. How am I going to take lunch? But God said, do it, and I did it. So, so you got great harvest in their life and ministry because, because of that, right? But look, he was being reoriented, but it didn't feel like it. His back was in worse pain. He'd been healed two or three times. Worst pain it'd ever been. Money's tighter than it's ever been. Within a year of that time, not only was he healed within days or weeks of that time, healed, set free, healed of all that stuff, all that, and then businesses started, business started. Now, I'd say your income's way more than that 60% you gave up for God, isn't it? And they're going to be leading one of the new ministries here at Bethel. They already do it 
we're not starting stuff. We're partnering to do stuff together with somebody that knows what they're doing and how they're doing it. And they've been gathering furniture and stuff and picking families out and giving them furniture, the families that don't have furniture, and praying about it and whoever. So we're going to start doing that with them and partnering with them and help them with that. Let me wrap up. I know you're getting antsy. I mean, I, will, I promise you I will not go past 2.45 because I need time to get home for the 3 o'clock kickoff. So you're safe, right? You're safe. <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe Michael Garrison's a cowboy fan. I, I've known you for 23 years, and you're a cowboy fan. It's all right. See where we are and where you ain't. Anyway. <laughs> Keep the microphones away from him back there. <laughs> nah, I love cowboy fans. Most of the time. Nah. These guys, we always go back and forth. Um, well, let's get ready to pray since I've already kind of uh, killed the whatever we were doing there, I guess. You know, Michael Johnson, who was classified as the fastest man in the world and won the Olympics multiple times in his races and stuff. And after the 96 Summer Olympics, when he set all the records and was clarified the fastest man in the world, one of the things he would do is he painted his shoes gold, right? And he would show up at races with gold shoes on. Everybody's like, that's arrogant. How's he going to do that, right? You know. And after he'd win a race, he'd give them to a kid or something as he walked out. Well, those things are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars now, maybe millions now. And he's sitting on a talk show, and, and the host said, um, my goodness, man, you did that. And each after those, each of those big historical races, breaking records, you give your shoes away? He's like, well, you give those gold shoes away? Why are you giving those gold shoes away like that? He said, man, if I had those shoes, I'd just paint them bronze. And Michael Johnson looked at him and said, why would you paint gold shoes bronze? And I, I want to say that to you in your life, you know, you don't realize you're already living in the gold, but you're believing for bronze. Not silver, second place at least. You're believing for third place. And I'm telling you, 2022 is the year that if you will submit and obey God and hear his voice and submit to leader, you know, maybe God gives you something you need to start or do. And well, I told them I laid the plan out and they wouldn't do it. Well, you know, just submit, even if you disagree. Then you can say, but don't say, don't lie to yourself and say you're submitted when you disagree and you leave. Or you cause problems. I'd rather have a little wildfire than no fire. I'm okay with that. I got a fire extinguisher, but it's okay. So anyway, um, I'm going over here. I've been talking rough over there. I'm going to come over here. There's only one cowboy fan over here. I got three or four over there. But, but think about it. Are you really believing God for the gold? Gold is what you've never seen before. Gold is what you've never had before. Gold is what you could never believe for before. This is your year. You want it. You go all in. I'm telling you, you're going to live in the gold, not the silver, not the bronze. Let's stand. Let's pray. And next week, man, you do not want to miss the next two weeks on relationships. And it's so, so important right now for this, especially with everything our nation's been through for two years and all that. Hallelujah. 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 Just, just if you're ready to go for the gold, just raise your hands. I also want to see your hands. Just raise your hands. Father, I just thank you for everyone ready to go for gold. The ones that are home, ones that are here, ones that are traveling. 
I just thank you. This is our year, Father. We've already been living the gold. We just didn't get it. So whatever season we're in, disorientation, orientation, or reorientation, we know it all ends up in the same place. And I believe, God, that this year, those that are in disorientation and even reorientation of preparation, what's going to happen, God, I believe you're going to accelerate time for them. You're going to accelerate relationships. You're going to accelerate healing and health. You're going to accelerate finances. You're going to accelerate dreams and visions. You're going to accelerate uh, provision and opportunities. You're going to accelerate influence this year in all of our lives, and especially our ministry, this house, our ministry family together. And I'm believing for all the churches to grow in this area. I'm believing for every church to, to be blessed and to multiply for you. But more importantly, the kingdom of God is populated. That's what I'm thinking. So today, God, stir up your gifts, stir up your talent, your faith in us. Let us recognize what season we're in. Where are we at? Orientation, disorientation, or reorientation. And Father, we just thank you for your anointing that breaks the yoke. We thank you that it's not our strength or our courage, our abilities. It's your strength, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. Your Spirit, Lord, stir us up. Your Spirit, make us strong and mighty for you. Your Spirit, God, helps us to see the character you've created in us and for us so we can influence others for you. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. And the church said, man, God bless you.